Well, thanks. Welcome to our service today. Welcome to those who are joining us online, and we look to God to bless His word to us as we worship Him together. I'll say a couple of things before we proceed. First of all, to do with uh, Mr. Matty Guy's placement. You have already been informed about that, and uh, Matty will be here for six weeks as part of his uh, uh, second student placement, which is part of his uh, course at ETS. He will be here. Uh, from the 26th of June, a week today, he will be arriving here a week Friday, uh, next, this coming Friday, uh, with his uh, wife Jodie and little boy Billy. They will be uh, arriving here at lunchtime on Friday, and we hope that they will join us for the Sunday school outing on Saturday. And he will take the both services uh, next Lord's Day, as well as being part of the requirements on Matty's course. Uh, the main purpose of the placement is to release me to do some. Uh, work for the General Assembly, uh, and because of that, Matty will be taking all of the services, all of the Sunday services, and all of the weekly prayer and Bible study meetings for the six weeks commencing the 26th of June. So please bear that in mind. I will be here supervising the placement, but I will be working for the General Assembly rather than doing the, the full-time work of the congregation. I will always be around to support Matty and to help in any matters that do arise and Matty will also be doing some pastoral visitation under the oversight of the Kirk Sage. So please bear Matty in mind and pray as he travels. The baby is just a month old, so we're going to have a very young child, Billy. And Jodie, of course, is from Carloway, so some of you will know Jodie. So we look forward to having them here, and we do pray for them for their safe arrival and for God's blessing on his ministry whilst they are here and their fellowship with them as a family during the time of their placement. Secondly, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Reverend Callum Murdoch-Smith to uh, take the service today. I'm thankful that he was willing to do so. He doesn't need any introduction from, uh, from me. You know him perhaps better than I do, some of you at least. And you'll also know that uh, Callum Murdoch's on the move, that he's on the move from North Uist uh, to become the Assistant Minister at Stornoway. The induction is due on the 1st of July, Friday the 1st of July, and we pray for Calamardo, for Joan, uh, for Joni, Marissa and Danny as they prepare for the induction and as they make the move from North Uist uh, to uh, Storno. And we are remembered Joan today is still kind of stuck in Uist because of the weather. She is not able to be with her family, so it's not an easy time for them given the upheaval of moving. So remember Joan and trust and pray that she will arrive here safely to be with her family sometime tomorrow. So that gives me great, great pressure to, to hand the cells over to Carmen. Well, thank you for your welcome, and it's lovely to be with you today as we come together to worship God. And I do thank you for your prayers over these days, just now as we uh, move from North Uist. We come together to worship God and let's hear a call to worship in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. We read these words, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. We have that invitation to come and hear the word of God and to come and hear what he has to say to us through his word and especially the assurance of the pardon of our sins as we put our trust in him. We're going to sing to God's praise in Psalm 43 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 43, we're going to sing the whole of this psalm. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation from the unjust and crafty man. O be thou my salvation. We'll sing the whole of this psalm to God's praise. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation from the Oh, uh-huh. 
Come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we approach you this, this day anew, we do thank you that you are a God who hears and answers prayer. We thank you that you are a God who listens to the pleas of your people and that you are the one who is able to do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. We so often feel that we cannot go on. We so often maybe feel weary with things and the way the world is and maybe even the way our lives are. And we can feel like the psalmist with our souls cast down. But we thank you that as we approach your word, we have that assurance that we are to still trust in God and to give all praise to you. For you are a God who reigns on high. You are a God who is able uh, to transform our lives and to transform the world in which we live. And in the midst of the chaos that so often surrounds us, in the midst of all the, the pain and the suffering that we see so often, your word reminds us that you are the God of miracles, whose power the nations view. And we pray that we will see that power at work throughout our lands, bringing healing to the nations, but above all, bringing many to salvation, bringing many to know the power and the joy of salvation. But we know that in this world there will be many troubles. But we thank you that Jesus has promised that he has overcome the world. And we thank you that in the midst of the, our lives and all that they entail, that we may be able to fix our eyes on him, that we may be able to draw near to the Lord even today for this time of worship, but also as we go on in the week ahead and weeks and months and even years as you have uh, appointed for us. Lord, may we continue to lean upon you and to put our trust in you. May you help those here maybe today who have uh, not put their trust in you yet. We recognise that there are times in our lives where we are maybe so aware of your word speaking and your spirit working, and yet we seem to push you away at times. We put it off for another time. We think we have so many things that we have to do first. But your word tells us again that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. And so help anyone here today that may be struggling to find that way. Help them to be able to seek the kingdom of God and to know the one who is king over the kingdom. We pray, Lord, your blessing on our time and our worship together. We thank you for your word and may it bless our souls today, this morning and this evening too. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will bless the preaching of your word here week by week. May it minister to all the people, not just gathered here but also those who tune in online week by week as well and may we be enabled lord to speak of your truth and to witness for you and to fellowship with your people and with those around us throughout the week as well we thank you that we have such wonderful news to share we do thank you for the glory of the gospel the good news that it is and so we pray lord that you will help it to go out with power and that you enable us to be salt and light in the world in which we live. As the psalm we sang said, we pray you send forth your light and your truth. And we do thank you that we have that, uh, that power of the light of the gospel and the truth that it contains. May you bless it to the all ends of the earth today. We remember the congregation here as they continue to witness for you. Remember the minister, Callum, as he uh, labours here as he is involved in the preaching of the ministry but also in the work of the wider church as well and to that end we pray for the next few weeks as he will be busy with uh, assembly work uh, may you uphold him in that and bless him we thank you for the student placement to take place and we pray for Matty Guy and the family as he will arrive in this coming week and as he takes up uh, the preaching of the word over these next number of weeks may you bless him and uphold him Bless their time here and bless them as a family, Lord, too, that you will look after them and care for them. We pray for the wider denomination, too, that you will be pleased to, to bless in these days. We thank you for 
every gospel ministry throughout our land and we pray that you will help the gospel to flourish that we will know your power and presence in our land and even throughout all the nations of the world we thank you that you have your people in all ends of the earth so that no matter where we are or what we see what the news tells us of the chaos in the world and the pain and the sorrow as we think of the refugee crisis in so many different parts of the world where people are fleeing from terror, the horrors of war, famine and drought, illness. We think of the Ukraine and the ongoing war there and the pain it brings. We think of the persecuted church throughout many corners of this year world. And over all of these things, we thank you that you have your people who stand up for you, who are willing to, to proclaim their faith in the Lord Jesus. And we pray that it will be a powerful witness in places where there is persecution and war, that it would turn many people to seek the Lord and to call upon his name. Remember our leaders too. We continue to remember our Queen. We pray for her, thanking you for her years of reigning over our nation and pray that you'll continue to bless her, to uphold her and to be with her. We pray for the family, her family and Ask, O oh Lord, that you will give them uh, the faith that they would need to rule over us. We pray for our governments in Westminster and Hollywood. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will uh, be pleased to turn people there towards you, uh, to rule over us according to your word and according to your truth. Humble them before you, that they would recognize that they have no power apart from you. So, Lord, we thank you that we can bring our prayers to you and Offer them up at this time. And as we offer up prayer, give us faith uh, to believe in all the things that we ask. So many things that seem impossible to us are possible with you. So help us to believe. Hear our prayers for our loved ones, for our families, for our communities, and all the different needs surrounding us. Those in old age and ill health, those suffering bereavement and broken hearts in many different ways. May you, as the God of all comfort, Come and draw near to all who need you in such time as these. Continue with us now, we pray, and bless us, bless the young ones here as they go out to the Sunday school too, and may you minister to them there. Bless them, we ask. And all we ask, we ask in Jesus' name, with the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. It's good to see um, young ones here today. I'm just casting my eye around to see where you're all sitting. They're all scattered in different places. I wonder if any of you have something really special. Some maybe it might be a toy, it might be a blanket, it might be something that you just can't do without. Something that if you were to lose it, you would be absolutely devastated. Anybody got something like that? Anybody got something really special that if you lost it, you wouldn't stop looking for it until you found it again? Sure, we've all got different things. Even adults have things that if they lost them, they wouldn't stop until they found it as well. This week, we've had a week of filling up boxes in one place and moving them to another. And when we arrived in Stornoway this week, the most common question over these last few days has been, have you seen or do you know where this is? And all I can say is, well, it's probably in a box somewhere. But if you look around, all you're seeing is boxes. So we'll find it eventually. But there's some things we just want to have straight away. Maybe we've put it away somewhere. We can't remember where we put it. It's gone missing. And we're just thinking, where's it gone? I can't find it. Lots of things that if we don't have them, we're lost without them. One thing we often have with us now is these things, phones. It can be so annoying at times. But if we don't have it, if we've lost it, we're hunting around trying to find it. I'm sure you've seen maybe people looking for keys or glasses or things like that. We're always misplacing things and can't find them. But what do you think the most important thing in life is that we need and we are lost without? We're going to be looking at the Bible today in the Gospel of Mark and thinking about a young man who was called the rich young man. And he would think, you would think, had everything that he needed in life. 
He was rich, so he could buy anything he wanted. He could have everything he needed. But yet Jesus says to him, you're missing something. And he's saying to him, you're missing the most important thing that you need. And this was to follow him. So in all the things that we have in life, all the things that we're hunting around and searching for, the things that are really important to us, and if we misplace them, we won't stop looking for them until we find them. The most important thing that Jesus is telling us that we need is not a possession, a phone, or something that's really important to us in that way. The most important thing is to know Jesus and to put our trust in him and to follow him. The man we read about in the Bible, he didn't follow Jesus. Instead, it says, he went away very sad. And that's what it's like not to follow Jesus. We're never going to have that happiness, that joy without him. When you find something you've misplaced, you're so happy, you're delighted to find it again. But it's nothing compared to knowing and finding Jesus and putting your trust in him. So remember, the most precious thing you can have in this world is to know Jesus as your friend, to trust him and to follow him. Well, may God bless these thoughts to us and his word to us. We're going to sing again to God's praise in Psalm 49 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 49, and we're going to sing from verse 1 to verse 9. Psalm 49 at verse 1. Hear this, all people, and give ear, all in the world that dwell, both low and high, both rich and poor, my mouth shall wisdom tell. We'll sing from verse 1 to verse 9 to God's praise. Hear this, all people.
slightly different order. Um, I think would have normally had the reading here first. I was in North US there doing things the way I've been doing it for a few weeks. Um, so we're going to read again to God's Word in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're reading from verse 13. Mark chapter 10, reading from verse 13. Let's hear God's word. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments, Do not murder, Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, We have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, nor brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Amen. May God bless that word to us. We'll just bow our heads in a short word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word and as we hear it before us today, we are reminded of the great truth of what we need in life, but more so what we need for eternity. To have the hope of eternal life is to know the one who brings us to the Father, that we can only come in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so may you help us by your Spirit to hear these words today and to honour you by them, that we will seek the Lord with all our heart. Take away, O Lord, the things that come between us, the gods and the idols that we make ourselves, that we would see the true and the living God, and worship him only. So we ask, Lord, you'll continue with us now, that you'll bless your word, and bless us in our time around it. And all we ask, we ask in Jesus' name, for his sake and glory. Amen. We're going to look at this passage, especially verse 17, down to verse 31, where Jesus meets this rich young man, and we can read again at verse, verse 20. And he said to him, this is the, the rich young man, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. 
speaking about the commandments Jesus had just highlighted. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So often people can think that the answer to all our problems in life is to be rich. That that would somehow sort all our problems and make our lives so much easier. And we often hear of people who win the lottery and win very often maybe vast sums of money on the lottery. And what do you think yourself when you hear that happening to someone else? Do you have that longing in your own heart thinking oh if only it was me that that would then some ways maybe sort so many of my problems in life just a few weeks ago in the beginning of may i think it was there was a winner of the euro millions they won 184 million pounds uh, it's such a vast sum of money it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to have just such a large sum of money but what would you do with it and would it answer your problems? Well, the reality is that it's not the answer to life's problems. And very often, people who are rich, although we would, on the outside it may seem like everything is well, so often in their lives, they are lacking as well. And maybe it sounds so hard for us to, to say that, to imagine that, that someone who could have anything in the world would be lacking in any way. But as we read here in Mark's Gospel, we find Jesus encountering this rich young man who probably had everything that he needed in life in many ways. But Jesus says this to him. He says, one thing you lack. And is there one thing in your life that you're lacking today? I'm sure many of us, we can be well off in many ways, very comfortable in life. But is there a niggling in your heart today? Is there something missing? Something that you are lacking? Well, Jesus gives us the answer to what is missing in our life here. As you read through the Gospel of Mark, you find that Jesus is often encountering people in different circumstances and different situations. In chapter 6, earlier in the Gospel of Mark, you see King Herod being mentioned and he again was someone who had great wealth he had a lot of money he had everything he needed in life and yet this great wealth led to great pride in his heart pride and wrong decisions that came between him and knowing the Lord Jesus and at the end of the day as we can see it in our own eyes at least he was left without hope he was left without hope he had all the money in the world, yet he still lacked this one thing. And then on another level, you see, as we, we read here in, in chapter 10 at verse 13, uh, the, the children who were coming to Jesus. And you think to yourself, well, here is young children coming to him or being brought to him. They don't have all the money in the world. And yet Jesus is saying, to them belongs the kingdom of God. If they will come to me, they have all the right in this world to have the kingdom of God as well. You have to be like a little child, he says, to enter the kingdom of God, to see that nothing in this world can save you, but only faith in the Lord Jesus. And as these children come to him, they are being rebuked and told to go away. They are seen almost as a nuisance to Jesus the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus saw them and was indignant and says, he says, let the children come to me. But when you come into verse 17, this rich young man running up to Jesus, no one stops him. No one says a rebuke to him and tells him to go away because, well, he would have been seen as someone important, someone with great wealth. Nobody stands in his way. And when he comes to Jesus, what we find is that he comes with a great question. He comes with an earnest desire. And this is a question that has maybe been burning away in his heart for a long time. 
He has been hearing so many things, and as we'll see, he's been living a good life in his own eyes. But there's still this nagging in his heart. There's still this thing, this question going around in his mind. He comes with an earnest desire. He was rich, probably had a good home, plenty of food and comforts. Being rich, he probably had plenty of friends who would be around him at the same time as well. People willing uh, to help him out. And yet Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. So how easy it is in life to think that we have everything we need, yet lack the most important thing. He comes with this question, a key question for us today to think about as well. The question that we have at the end of verse 17. He ran up to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Is that a question that you have in your heart today? Is that a question that's maybe been going round and round your mind for maybe weeks, months, even years perhaps? I've got a good life. Things are going well in many different ways. But there's this nagging. There's this question. What, what about eternal life? What about eternity? What about what lies ahead there? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response, one thing you lack, leaves us with that question today, what's missing? And so I want us to look at this encounter and think about it in three ways. The first thing is the starting point. The second thing is the tipping point. And then the third thing is the turning point. So first we see the starting point. Jesus is often meeting people as you go through the Gospel of Mark. And such a whole variety of people. Rich and poor. Healthy and weak. Young and old. He's meeting all kinds of people in different situations with different desires. Many have been bringing people to him or coming to him looking for healing. And Jesus has been healing many people up until this point. But up until this point, it would seem that no one has come with such a great desire for eternal life such as this young man. This is the burning question in his heart. He's healthy, he's well, he's got so much in life, but he knows that there's still this nagging going on. So he has this eagerness, and the question that he comes with is such an important and a great place to start with Jesus. The most important thing it isn't just how it starts, but, but how it ends. And that's what we'll see with this rich young man. I would love to just now just say to you, you know, to be a, a lecturer or a teacher just now and say, in front of you or under your seat, you'll find a piece of paper and a pen. And to ask you to write down the answer to this question in your own words. What must I do to inherit eternal life. To give you two minutes to answer that question, what answer would you give? What must I do to inherit eternal life? How would you answer that question just now? This young man, this rich young man has come to Jesus. He's seeking after him, looking for an answer to this question. Probably in his own mind he has an idea of what he must do, but he just wants confirmation of what he needs to do. But is it the answer he gets that he expects? And is the answer you would give right now the answer that Jesus would want from me? What must I do to inherit eternal life? This young man was a seeker. And in many ways today we are all seekers. We are all seeking after something in life. Everyone is looking for something to fulfill ourselves and to fulfill our lives. We always live our lives in this way, seeking after something, looking for the next goal or the aim in life, making our plans, looking ahead, having something that we're striving towards, seeking for something. But the most important thing today to ask is, are we seeking for what is right? 
Where are we starting? What's our starting point as we make our plans or look to the days and the weeks and the months and the years ahead? Jesus, in another place in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching to a great crowd. And he says to them, in Matthew 6, verse 31, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is our starting point. Jesus gives us that response. Seek first the kingdom of God. Start with getting your priorities in order. Not trying to get everything else in life sorted and put in place first. Not making your own plans and then later on trying to fit Jesus into them. Into them. But seek first the kingdom of God. And this rich young man is seeking after the kingdom of God. And that's what a, a seeker in the truest sense of the Christian faith does. A seeker in the Christian faith is looking for the kingdom of God, looking for eternal life. And if we are looking for something, we have to look for it in the right place. There's no point in going out to buy bread and milk but going to the hardware shop. You're not going to get it there. You've got to go to the right place. And for many people in the world today, they're seeking for fulfillment, for life and for joy, but looking in the wrong place. And it's only found through Christ. It's only found through seeing what God's word has to offer us. And the rich young man here, he comes to the right place. He comes running up to Jesus, kneeling before him, asking him this question, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he's starting in the right place. And if we are truly seeking for eternal life and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we must seek it where it can be found. And that is by being under the word of God, by being in the word of God, by drawing near to God. That is the key, to come seeking God where he can be found. God speaks to us in many different ways. He speaks to us through his creation. He speaks through us through providence, the things that happen in life. But all of these things, they point us towards seeking him in his word. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How then can they call on one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? It's about coming to hear the word of God. So this rich young man, he comes to the right place. The starting point is right. But the way he starts is wrong. He thinks it's about himself. Because there's a problem here in the question he asks. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's so often the way our heart is tuned as well. We think it's about what we can do. And this is the issue that is in this man's heart. He thinks it's about himself. What must I do? And then he says, what must I do? I do. What can I do that's going to achieve eternal life for myself? But Jesus says to him in verse 18, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And so immediately Jesus, instead of focusing on him and what he can do, the rich young man, he's pointing the rich young man in the right direction. It's not about what you can do but it's what I can do and what is being done and will be done for you. So what's your view on God today? Is he the one who you're starting with, the one who you see can solve your problems? Or are you trying to do that by yourself? Are you thinking 
I can sort all of these things out myself. I can do something that's going to make me look good before God and then I can come to him. Or do you believe in the God of the Bible? The only God that is. The creator, the sustainer of all things. The God who is standing in front of this rich young man and he says to him, what can I do? When the one who can do everything is right in front of him. And the same is true for us all today. We come to God saying, Lord, how can I sort my life? How can I change myself? When God through his word is saying, no, it's not about what you do, but it's what I can do for you. We have the starting point. We know where to go. But the question is, how are we coming to him? How are you coming to God today? Are you coming thinking you can do it? Or recognizing I can do nothing? Only he can do it for me. Well that leads us into our second point, the tipping point. We see how Jesus uses the word to probe the heart of this rich young ruler. He highlights to him through his word, through the, the commandments, where the fault lies, where the issue lies. And the more we are under God's word, the more it will challenge us. And the more it will open our eyes to our, our failings, our weaknesses, but the more we see the glory of God. And that's what Jesus is pointing him towards here. He takes him to the Ten Commandments. He says in verse 19, you know the commandments. But when you read through that list, you don't have ten. You only have commandments five through to ten. The first four aren't mentioned. Uh, and this is what is at the heart of the question that the rich young man had. He's saying to him, well, some of these things you can do. And that's the response of the rich young man. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and your mother. And maybe the, the heart of this rich young man is, is being uplifted. He says, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I have not broken any of these commandments. It's like there's some hope for him. Things are looking good. Things are looking positive. And perhaps you can look at these commandments and think, yes, I'm living a good life. I'm not breaking these commandments. And we can justify ourselves before God, thinking we are good and right before him. And how easy it is for us to justify ourselves. How easy it is to say to God, well, I'm a good person. But Jesus is probing here. He's getting into the heart of this man. He's getting him to open his eyes to see the kind of life he's been living, the many good things that he's done, but then it comes to a tipping point. It comes to a point where all of a sudden things come to a head and he realizes there's one thing missing. He doesn't think he's a sinner. He doesn't think he has broken the commands, but what Jesus is going to do is open his eyes and to see where his failing is where his sin lies. And that's the way we can often feel as well. We don't like to be called sinners because sinner has this tone about it that we, we're bad. But the reality is, we are. We're all sinners before God. We've all done wrong before God. We sin every day in thought and word and in deed. But so often we're blinded to that. There was a story told of a minister who once went to visit an old lady. She wasn't a believer, but she was in the age of life where she was no longer able to get out. And he was sitting, talking with her about general things, and then they moved on to the things of the Bible. And the minister started talking to her about the subject of sin. I started telling her about how we are all sinners. But the lady's response was this. She said, my dear, how can I possibly sin? I never leave the house. That's her concept of sin was that you can only do sin if you're able to be out and about and to do the wrong things. 
But it's not just about what we do, our actions. It's about our hearts. Sin is a problem that is within. And we are by nature sinners. And that's what Jesus is doing here with this rich young man. He's beginning to open his eyes and see there is a sin in his heart that needs to be dealt with. And what is the sin? Well, in verse 21, he says to to the rich young man, Jesus says to him, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. So here it comes to a head. And you notice what Jesus is getting at here. He's getting at some of the first commandments. And especially the commandment, you will have no other gods before me. Because what is this rich young man's God? What is his idol? What is the thing that is keeping him from God? It is his wealth. He says to him, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. But the rich young man says, disheartened, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. One thing he lacked, and he wasn't willing to give it up. His God was his money. And this is the tipping point in this young man's life, where it can go one way or another. Where Jesus is saying to him, okay, you see yourself as a good person and in many ways you are. You've done lots of good things. But there's one thing missing. There's one thing that's keeping you away from knowing the greatest treasure and blessing of all. Knowing eternal life. And it's your possessions. Are you willing to give it up, he's saying. Are you willing to put that God away and follow me? And in this tipping point, in this moment, the rich young man is left sorrowful. He's left saddened because he's not willing to give it up. And to follow Jesus usually means coming to this tipping point in our own lives. But we have to ask ourselves, what do we really want? What is more important? You see yourself maybe as good. But what's lacking? What's missing? Is there something that you need to let go? Is there something that you need to put away? Because that is your God, first and foremost. When, when he's saying, you will have no gods before me. What is your God? Who is your God today? The word challenges that if there is something in the place of God in our lives, we must rid ourselves of it. Otherwise, just like this young man, we go away sorrowful. We're not willing to give it up. But at what cost? At what cost then for our soul? What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? You could win 184 million on the, on the lottery. But what profit, what gain if you're without Christ? There's this tipping point that we come to where God's word challenges us. And so often we maybe turn away, we go away, and we carry on and we just leave it for another time. But friend, you cannot keep putting it away. He is either God and Lord of all or not Lord at all. So who is your Lord? Who is your God today? What is it that rules your heart? What is it that guides and controls your desires and your motives? You see yourself as good, but only God is good. And no matter how much good we do, we cannot do anything to save our soul. But Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Put away that God.
Put away whatever is keeping you from me and come and follow me. So there is a tipping point and it can go one way or the other. Finally, I just want us to see here the turning point. There's a sense here where there's both a turning point for the young ruler, the rich young man, but also for the disciples. And the difference is the way they turn. The young man turns away to follow his own wealth. But the disciples, they turn to follow Jesus. Even though they are amazed by this encounter, even though they have their own questions, as you see in verse 23 following, uh, to his disciples, Jesus said to them, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, but then they have this question in verse 26, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? But Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with him. They follow him, but the rich young man turns away. So the question today is, which way will you turn? Which way are you going when you leave here today? Are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to turn away again? Are you going to take up the cross and follow him? Knowing that there are many, so many blessings in following him. But knowing also that, as it says in verse 30, it comes with persecution. You know, there's blessing. He lists off the hundredfold blessings that we have. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. But he says, with persecution, there is a cost in following Jesus. But then he says, in the age to come, eternal life. Which way are you going to go? If it was true that we could inherit eternal life by doing everything ourselves, wouldn't it be wonderful? But the reality is, it's impossible. You have to live a perfect life. No sin, no fault, no bad thought. Can you do that? No. None of us can. None of us could go before the throne of God and say to him on the day of judgment, look, I have kept every command. I am perfect. You must let me enter into the kingdom of God. Because God would say, no, you haven't. If you feel like that, you've got the sin of pride because it's impossible to keep the law of God perfect. The only one who can do it is the Lord Jesus. And so if your faith and trust is not in him, it is still in yourself. So he's saying you must turn from yourself and turn to me. This young man has no concept of being a sinner. But I'm sure many of us do. We know our faults. We know our failings. And the question is, for us, maybe, who then can be saved? How can I be saved with all of my faults? If this rich young man who had everything in life and had kept so many of the commandments, if he couldn't be, who can? Well, we thank God for the gospel. That is not about us, but about faith in the one who can save. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we need today. Jesus says, one thing you lack. So what is missing in your life today? Augustine once said, there is a God-shaped void in every one that only Christ can fill. And we all have that void until we allow and ask Christ into our hearts. We are always going to have that nagging, that searching after the missing link. We've lost something. We know we don't have it. And we're looking for it. And we're trying every avenue to try and find that thing that will fill this void. 
And Jesus is saying, it is only found in him. You could have all the riches in this world. You could be rich beyond anyone else in this world. But without Christ, you are poor. You could be the poorest person in this world and have nothing. And yet with Christ, you're rich beyond your dreams. What are you missing today? One thing you lack. If that's the way you feel today, Jesus is saying, put every other God away. Put everything else you're relying on, put it away and come and follow me. He will fill that void and he will give you the joy of salvation and he alone will give you the hope of eternal life. So come and follow him. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the way you are able to fill the void in our hearts. The thing that we lack the most in this world is Christ. And yet so often we seek after many other things that we believe will fill that void, but to no end. And so we ask, Lord, that your word will minister to us and lead us to the one who can fill us and fill us with abundance, uh, fill us with hope, fill us with the joy of salvation, fill us with the hope of eternal life, and the one who will be with us every step of the way. Help us not to rely on ourselves, but to come and put our trust in him, the only one who is able to save. So may you bless us and guide us and guard us in our hearts, as we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to sing in conclusion in Psalm 27 in the Sing Psalms version. Singing from verse 4, Psalm 27 at verse 4. One thing I'll plead before the Lord, and this I'll seek always, that I may come within God's house and, and dwell there all my days. We'll sing from verse 4 to 6 to God's praise. One thing I'll plead before the Lord, and this I'll seek always, that I may come within God's eyes. 
may grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.